The North American veterinary community has announced the launch of a veterinary nurse slash technician empowerment initiative. And this week, we've got a very special guest to tell us what we need to know and how we can help. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And once again, we are back to our friends, the veterinary nurse slash technician slash whatever we want to call them. We want to make sure that we talk to you guys about an exciting initiative from the North American veterinary community. We've got a very special guest. And Becky, I can't wait for you to introduce this person because we've been trying to get him on for a while. Yeah, well, it did take a while to align our schedules, that's for sure. But that is partially because this fella is super popular. And it's funny because... um, while you were talking and I was thinking about introducing our guest, and I, I I won't leave everyone in suspense, Mr. Harold Davis yeah. was thinking about like music legends, right? And there's a lot of like one hit wonders out there uh, that kind of come and go. And that's similar to the veterinary industry. There's a lot of voices out there who, who come in and they're really popular. They're really loud. And then they go away uh, and they don't stick around for change. They don't stick around to see it through. And then there's these folks who are just like legends forever. And uh, and Harold is a legend forever. He's been in this profession almost 43 years. I'm not going to say how old I am right now, but like I am, I just, just technicians don't make it 43 years. And he was drawn because of his love of animals, right? We know that. But the, the, the combination of his love for medicine and Harold worked, um, he's done full service veterinary care. He's done, uh, you know, Hameen society work, which is near and dear to my heart, general practice. But then he kind of find, found his shining star in emergency medicine oh, and yeah. to now become the president of North American veterinary community. So, um, yeah, I think that that this is just one incredibly impressive individual and no one better to tell us about this really important initiative that NAVC has launched. So I am monologuing. But with all of that, roll out the red carpet. Please sound off the trumpets. Harold, Mr. thanks Harold for joining Davis. us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What an opening. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really wow. appreciate it. Well, tell us where you're calling in from today. I'm calling in from... I'd like to be able to say sunny California, but uh, it's kind of overcast right now. But I'm what? in California, my home office here. Wow, that's nice. And and again, you know, Harold, I know you not only from all your other stuff, but really you made strides at UC Davis. So I'm assuming you're calling us from somewhere very close to UC Davis. Yeah, not far. I'm in West Sacramento, which is 11 miles, 12 miles down the road from UC Davis. Excellent. Well, listen, Becky kind of started off and it's something that I just like to repeat because some, you know, our, we do have a young profession. You've been doing this for 43 years, which is longer than me, which is great to have somebody else on the show <laughs> like that. But but explain a little bit about the genesis. Like how did Harold Davis get started 43 years ago? Well, actually, it's 46 years and I've been credentialed, I've been credentialed for 43 years gotcha, or 44 gotcha, years, so. Gotcha. But actually, I started when I was real young. I was actually <laughs> two. actually, actually was I was two. <laughs> I was a, actually a senior in veterinary high senior in high school uh, when I did a work study program because uh, I was thinking about going to veterinary school and getting that work experience and wanted to find out about the profession. So my counselor was able to get me into a local humane society where I went a few days a week for a few hours just kind of learn about the profession. 
And so I started out there and I continued working on um, there while I was in college um, for the first few years. I um, worked as a veterinary assistant. And while working there, there were several technicians that were working there. And at the time, we were called or they were called animal health technicians. Right, right. And so um, in California at the time, they were just about to end what they called the grandfather clause. And in the California at that time, the grandfather clause allowed you to sit for the exam if you had, I think, three years full-time work experience. Well, I didn't have that. And I was going to college and I thought I'd take a chance because I was really interested in it. I was pretty inquisitive and veterinarians at that practice kind of like took me under their wing. And so I petitioned to the veterinary medical board and said, hey, I don't have three years full-time work experience. I probably have about a year and a half, but I'm also in college and I was working towards a degree in clinical laboratory technology, kind of pre, pre-vet type thing. And so I said, I've taken chemistry, taken biology. I've actually taken hematology. I've got some clinical lab techniques classes that I've taken. Could I sit for the exam? And I thought it was a long shot. And I got a letter from them that said, yeah, you're eligible to sit for the exam. That's great. And so after that, I just really studied. The veterinarians worked with me. I went to my local technician association where they actually had CE each month. Um, so I could get ready for the exam. And I took the exam, passed it the first time out. And I uh, was pretty excited about it. The veterinarian who had been helping me had also um, was pretty excited about it to the point he made such a big deal of it that the technicians who were working in the practice who had taken two and three attempts to pass the exam were a little irritated with me for a week or two. <laughs> well, Harold, one of the things I, I want to really share with, with the Viewfinder audience today is the fact that, okay, there's a lot of veterinary technicians and veterinarians that you know have done it for a long time, but 43, 44, 46 years, that's a long, long time. What has kept you in the game? I think the love for the profession, quite honestly. It's been very good to me. I can't complain. Well, yeah, I can complain a little bit, but <laughs> it's overall, it's been very good to me. And I think the part of it for me is, is just remaining engaged, remaining active and participating, you know, in things like local technician associations, state associations, the Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Society. Um, I've worked with veterinarians who really encouraged me to get out and do public speaking and lecturing and teaching. And I love doing that. And so it's afforded me that opportunity to be able to do all those things. And I think that's what's kind of kept me engaged and involved. And here we are, you know, 46 years later. I I want to highlight a couple points of what you said. Because one, I would argue like softly, not in a mean argumentative way, um, that being in the Humane Society to start is creates this like foundation that you know the reality like the super true reality of what veterinary medicine is right like you're not in this like fluffy boutique you know where none of the dogs ever touch the ground you don't see any parasites you never really see sick dogs um and those places exist I mean I think you see the hard stuff in the humane society and you and when you push forward from that kind of um, surrounding, I think it truly is for a love of animals and medicine. And I also want to say I don't have any actual facts on this, but I feel like most of the people that I know that grandfathered in by sitting for the exam and passing it have been in the field a very long time. It, it, it almost seems like if you've been in it long enough to learn all of that information and to have all of that intuition 
um, it, it is actually kind of like in you. And I think that's just sort of an interesting point. And um, sometimes I give a lot of credit to folks, like you said, where, you know, you go to school for two years, you sit, you study, you're dedicated and you can't pass this test. I mean, it is not an easy exam. So I, I kind of love that you had an alternative path into the field and then you've risen up through it and sustained. I think that is an, is an important highlight about you. And I think it's really important to say you just asked. It all started because you asked. You just said, can I please? Um, because like like my dad says, not asking is an automatic no, right? So you just, you took a chance. And I think I, I think that's kind of a legendary, um, and, and I didn't know that about you. So I'm really glad to get that story out about you. Harold, one other quick thing, follow up there to what Becky said and what you said earlier, you were kind of, you, you know, you were studying there at Cal State and you were, you said you were kind of on a pre-vet track. What did you mean and what, what led you to not pursue veterinary school? Well, I think what happened is after I had started working in the veterinary hospital, then getting my HT certification and then getting into emergency critical care, I think I found, found my niche. I enjoyed working closely with the animals, and I think maybe more so than maybe what the veterinarian, veterinarian might do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm right there, hands-on in the trenches, you know, carrying out the orders of the veterinarian. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. And so I was good with it. Wow, Becky, once again, supporting your thesis that yeah. being a vet tech is not a consolation prize, mm-hmm. right? More than so a I, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, well, Harold, you know, I've only known you from your work at UC Davis and, and admire that and respect. I mean, you've done amazing things there. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work there. Like, you know, how did you get into that position and, and you know, just some of the things that you do? You know, I was, I retired from UC Davis about three years ago. I was there for 36 years and I went there. I was working in the Bay Area, in, in San Francisco Bay Area and in the local emergency clinic. And some former technicians who worked in our practice had gone to veterinary school and they just contacted me and said, hey, Harold, there's a job at UC Davis with your name on it. You really ought to apply for this position. And it was for the intensive care unit, um, the night shift, the graveyard shift for the intensive care unit. And so I actually put in an application. Again, I'm kind of thinking, wow, this is going to be pretty tough. But I put in an application for it, went in for the interview, interviewed with the interview panel made up of technicians. But then they actually had me meet with faculty. And so I interviewed with faculty. And um, it was kind of funny. One of the faculty recognized me. He said, hey, I know you. I've seen you at CE seminars. You always come up and ask me questions afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but lo and behold, I got the position. So I started out for several years working the graveyard shifting intensive care unit. And then I was talking to one of the faculty members and had an idea one day. I said, you know, it'd be kind of cool if there was a class that was taught by the technicians to the veterinary students that just kind of showed them how the hospital works. Because after working for several years with the veterinary students and seeing some of the pitfalls and things, I thought it'd be kind of cool if they could have a class where they're taught by the technicians and how to function in the hospital. Yeah, love it. Didn't say anything about, didn't think anything more of it. And then several months later, a couple of faculty members approached me and said, hey, you know, your idea that you had, we've really, really given some serious consideration. And we want to start a program. We're going to call it the VM490 course. It's a clinical instruction course, and it's geared towards the first through the third year veterinary students with the idea of teaching them how to prepare to function in the fourth year, which is their total clinical year. And it's going to be taught by technicians. Um, but we want you to develop the course, coordinate the course, instruct in the course, and hire staff. And so I did that. And so I did that for probably 15 years. And then 
things kind of changed a little bit in, in the intensive care unit in emergency service. And so the administration asked me if I would then shift back into emergency critical care and manage the emergency critical care service full time. And so that's what I did probably the last 15, 16 years of my time at Davis. Wow. Now, also, you know, one of the things that, that kind of blew me away when this happened, you know, and, and I remember and I was like going, wow, this is a bold move. But, you know, you became president of the VCCS, right? I mean, the, the Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Society. How did that happen? Because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you like the first non-vet to, to hold that position? I mean, I, I just remember that being news back in the day. Yeah, no, that, no, that's correct. I was a member of the Veterinary Emergency Critical Care Society. I joined many years ago and been involved with them um, since the early 80s. And I just had been a member. Um, it also kind of somewhat coincided a little bit with the formation of the technician specialties. And before I became president, I actually served on the board. Because we were trying to form a specialty for technicians, The board thought it'd be good to have me as a member at large on a board of directors so I could kind of then provide them input of what's going on and be a liaison, if you will. So I served as a member at large on the board of directors for a few years. Then I ultimately became um, treasurer for a few years. And then I was nominated to be president and became a president. Wow. So this was actually part of the move to get the, the VTS in emergency critical care. That That's actually what was happening behind the scenes. Is that yeah, that was right? kind of happening, yeah, it was kind of happening wow. behind the scenes, correct. That is so amazing. And Becky, what I love once again is we've got an amazing example of someone who says, you know what, there needs to be this change in the world. I'm going to make it happen. Harold, I mean, you know, again, I knew you were president over there, but I didn't realize that in concert you were saying, let's also get the VTS going. Wow. What an amazing story. Yeah, the VTS thing all came about, I'd gone to a conference, I think it was the Wild West conference I'd gone to, and with a buddy, we were driving back from Reno, and we knew that a few years earlier, the College of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care had been formed, and I was saying, because we were still on that high coming from a CE conference, and that would it be cool if there was a technician specialty in emergency and critical care? And we just kind of started kicking around back and forth about the ideas. And we thought, hey, this is something we ought to look into. And so we kind of worked together, met with some technicians from Colorado State at a critical care society meeting. And we actually began the formation of the Academy of Veterinary Emerging Critical Care Technicians. One thing I love about that story is the fact that, you know, we sometimes feel like, and I and I sometimes may have passed mentioned we don't always feel supported by veterinarians and I think that's a real example of a group of veterinarians who recognize skill right and potential and said I'm gonna we're gonna invest our name our we're gonna put the stamp of approval on these individuals for what they're trained to do and educated to do Um, and and I kind of just want to take a minute to recognize that since I don't always do that Um, and and I appreciate that they did that because we in moments like that you really do need their help, but that visual of a technician serving as president of a board that is uh, mostly accustomed to veterinary members um, and a board, I think it it says a lot. It's it's a big visual, and I'm really proud of you because that must have been a really intimidating position to take on. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was intimidating, but I work with a good group of people, and it was the best experience, and actually 
my experiences with the Veteran Emergency Critical Care Society, it's become like a, a second family along with my family at the NAVC, which is my third family. <laughs> so, right. yeah. yeah, I definitely want to get to that. But, you know, yeah. but, but Becky, to, to your point and to extend on it, I mean, this was much more than lip service. I mean, we've, yeah. we've had uh, veterinarians in groups who talk about camels and tents. <laughs> and uh, Harold was actually part of a group who said, nope, we're going to actually fully embrace this. I mean, it happened at UC Davis. It then happened at VCCS. I mean, Harold, this also, I mean, you, you because we have, look, look, I'm a vet and I apologize, but you know, we, we cannot have this attitude of, of really just sort of lip service. There's got to be action behind the words and you've been a part of that. And, and again, I think it, it's like Becky said, it bears repeating sometimes. I think it's important to recognize you get out of it what you put into it. So if you're willing to bear down, put the work into it, I think you can make change happen. Sometimes it takes a little longer than others, but it does happen. So um, this is a beautiful segue into why we actually have you here. This, this is one of the Harold Davis podcast. At this oh, point. now we have to get to work. Oh, Becky. But there is an underlying reason we have you here. Because, one, you are president of the North American Veterinary, Veterinary Community. I My tongue struggles with that one so much every day. Say it three times fast, but yes, the NAVC. Let's just NAVC. The NAVC, right. thanks. Let's shrink that up. And, and you know, I love to see technicians involved with these organizations and veterinarians and technicians working together on, on, you know, basically equal levels or at least within, you know, parallel and adjacent roles that that apply to them. And so it's your go around. And so I think it makes a lot of sense that this initiative sort of launches with you in this seat. And this is a program to elevate and advance the roles of veterinary technicians. Uh, They're also using the title nurse. This was launched (laughs) back in January. We just got aligned with our schedules, but tell us about this initiative. Tell us, you know, what it means to you to be involved and um, and and then I've got questions, you know. Well, and wait, before we get started, just one quick thing. You know, Harold, look, <laughs> veterinary nurse slash technician empowerment, uh, which, well, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing that unsettled yeah. me when I saw these press releases going out. It's like, wait a second, stick with something. But tell me, explain again why you've got the nurse slash technician in the title of the thing. Well, we know that there's been a movement to maybe make the change to veterinary nurse. Oh, really? Becky, this is news to <laughs> me. Sure oh, wow. That. And so the NAVC board wanted to support that. But we also recognize, too, I mean, the reality is we're technicians in the States. Right. But also the NAVC is actually a global organization. We have people who participate in our conference. We have an international, we have a scholarship program where we have internationals come over. And so we're a global organization. And so we do also want to recognize the fact that we do have people who participate with the NAVC since we are, again, a global community. Um, in other countries, it's Australia, the UK, New Zealand, where we've had people come from, they are known as nurses there. Hey, Harold, you're speaking to the choir here. <laughs> I just would have left it at nurse, but hey, that's just me, yeah. you know. But I just was curious because it did seem like a bit of a concession because let's face it, you guys launched today's veterinary nurse. You know, obviously right. I'm an author with, with NAVC, so yes. full disclosure, and I supported that move. But, you know, so I that was my only thing. It was like, you sure. know, it seemed like a bit of a concession. And and look, I look, we know that there's so much more to the VNI, the Veterinary Nurse Initiative, than just the name, the title. Uh, sure. There's so much more important 
important stuff that actually is kind of getting lost in the discussion over the nurse versus technician. But that was the only question I just had to leave with that. How got to be controversial, right? This is we tackle tough topics. But getting back to it, tell us first of all what what all you're going to do because I know there's a summit, there's going to be some webinars, there's going to be all kind of training and mentorships. Give us the lowdown. I'm pretty actually. I'm pretty proud of what we've come up with because this actually came out of a board meeting, NAVC board meeting, where the board of directors was looking at the state of veterinary nursing. We are concerned because we feel we're at a crossroads, and so we actually had what we called our generative discussion to look at the state of the veterinary nursing profession. And so we actually asked our NAVC NAVC team to go back, take a look at look at all our offerings and tools and resources that we have to provide to veterinary technicians and nurses. And so they did that. We also asked them and looked to see if there's anything we can do to enhance our offerings. Well, they did a fantastic job. They came back with a slew of ideas and they asked Paige Allen, who was the president of NAVC at the time and also credentialed veterinary technician myself, to take a look at the offerings that they had. And then they wanted us to prioritize um, the offerings that they were proposing we looked at it and we said we liked it. They said, which part? We said, all of it. Well, <laughs> they said, well, can you prioritize for us? We said, no. <laughs> we said, we want it all. And so they presented it to the board. So we came down with these initiatives. So the veterinary nurse technician initiative, empowerment initiative was born. And it's basically there's seven components to it. One is we've had the Global Veterinary Nurse Technician Virtual Summit, um, which was held back in October. And it's going to be an annual event. It's a two-day conference that's going to be held in October. Last year, our focus is behavior, patient advocacy, pain management, and wellness. The second component is the Nurse Empowerment Webinar Series. We actually held our first one last week, and we covered self-advocacy, well-being, and we had 220 attendees, and it was a fantastic seminar. We had Rebecca Rose, Megan Brashear, and Jamie Davis were our speakers. And so that went over real well. There's a lot of interaction at that webinar series. We're going to follow that up in June with a topic covering um, improving compensation and turnover. And then in August, we'll do a third one, which will be optimizing utilization and job satisfaction. So that's the second component. Number three, and this is what I'm excited about. It's the NAVC Institute. Well, this is something we've done for many years. It's a week-long, immersive, hands-on course um, for veterinarians, and it's covered various topics. Well, Paige and I kind of pushed and encouraged, we want to see something for technicians. Well, next month, we're going to have one on anesthesia for your practice team, which will join technicians and veterinarians. But there's also going to be a case-based behavioral medicine at Institute. So it's going to be almost a week-long, immersive, hands-on program with the idea that when they leave there, they can put those skills into use back there in their practice. The other thing, you may, you mentioned that you have done some writing for Today's Veterinary Nurse. Well, we're going to leverage our journals, Today's Veterinary Nurse and Today's Veterinary Business. And we're going to have columns that are dedicated solely to personal and professional development. Topics might be things like leadership, client communication, and patient consultations. That covers the fourth thing. The fifth thing, and this is going to come down the line here, but we're looking at having a virtual mentorship program. It's going to be a webinar series where we're going to have five to 10 of the top veterinary technician professionals serving as mentors, hopefully to be able to guide some of the younger 
technicians and nurses that are coming through. And we're going to do this through a virtual group setting and cover different topics like conflict resolution, specialties, and utilization. The sixth thing that we're doing is in today's veterinary nurse, we are now running a clinic champion series, which is in partnership with Midmark. And what we're doing is we're recognizing that veterinary nurses and technicians make an impact daily in their clinics. And so we're going to have a champion appear um, each month or each issue, uh, recognizing them for their contributions to their practice. And one of the four champions for the year will be selected to be champion of the year and will receive an all-inclusive trip to VMX 2023. Then the last thing, and this is one I'm really fired up about, it's our National Consumer Awareness and Education Campaign. And this campaign is sponsored by the NAVC, VCA Animal Hospitals. It's also supported by NAFTA. And the goal here is to try and create a greater consumer understanding of the role of veterinary nurses and technicians and our expansive skills, knowledge, and abilities in the education that we have. What we hope to do is to be able to change the public's perceptions about veterinary nurses and technicians so that they feel more confident and accepting of having a qualified credential veterinary technician caring for their pet. We also want them to be aware that this is also an excellent career path to consider because I don't think people realize that this is a career path. I can't tell you the number of times I went into an exam room and say, hi, I'm Harold Davis, I'm the veterinary technician. And they'll say, are you the veterinarian? I said, no, I'm the veterinary technician. Right. Then, then I tell them what I do. They say, oh, we didn't realize there was something like that. So, so that's kind of what we're doing with our, our veterinary nurse technician empowerment initiative. Wow, a lot of stuff. It, I mean, the, okay, so the, I love that it's a multiple, of, like, right, it's multimodal, and, and that's what needs to happen. I'm probably the most excited about educating pet parents. I think a lot of people would agree that the the lack of knowledge, like you said, people don't know our job is a profession. They don't know. What I find more upsetting is they don't know that the person who is running anesthesia or doing some of these really kind of advanced procedures on their pet are not licensed and therefore not regulated more, right. more importantly. Right. And that's kind of my, my bigger concern you may have heard. We do, I do want to make sure that, well, for number one, when we talk about the clinic champion, the first one was uh, Pam Dickens. Am I correct? Yeah, Pam Dickens was, a, she's a champion and we've had another person as a champion. I think okay. we've got two champions so far and probably two more coming up. Pam was the first one that I saw, and I couldn't think of a better person. Uh, she is an amazing—I've worked with her in spay-neuter campaigns, and um, I, I will say that Pam Dickens, the first time I met her, was volunteering to do lime dips on kittens, um, <laughs> if that doesn't sum up somebody's personality. That says a lot about somebody. <laughs> in double PPE. So um, I oh, can't wow. even tell you if you if you got to know something about her, that's it. But we also do want to make sure that we say that this program is— being sponsored. So we want to make sure that we do um, shout out VCA Animal Hospitals for this sponsorship and the support that you guys are getting um, and working with the National Association, of course, with NAFTA, and just kind of make sure that we give them credit where the credit's due, because again, stepping up and supporting technicians that way is essential. 
Yeah, and Harold, I, I I'll also second the support and, and enthusiasm for the consumer awareness campaign. You guys have already you know shared some of the early survey results, just talking about how the public you know supports it generally, but they just don't really understand it. So I think it's very important to get a, a nationwide campaign out there to say, okay, here's what a veterinary technician is, or you know what they do and what the credentials are and why it's important. So I, I applaud you for that for sure. Yeah, you might if I share some stats with you on that too, because these are some some things I found really very interesting. Um, we con- con- conducted a survey last December of about a thousand pet parents, um, and I think the things that really stood out was one: it first confirmed anecdotal feelings that I believe the veterinary community has, and that is that the pet owners do not really understand either the role, the true value, or the education and the credential that the credential veterinary technicians have. And so that was one of the things that we, it kind of solidified that for us, obviously. But 73% of the respondents thought our role was to clean cages, feed, room, or restrain animals. Now, granted, yes, we do those things, but they didn't realize that we also carried out a variety of healthcare tasks. And then nearly half, or 47% of the people surveyed, did not know that we perform life saving yeah. and life enhancing medical procedures either. I mean, that's so depressing because I feel like this has been such an, a long ongoing problem, right? Like it's, it's, we've talked about it. It hasn't changed. I do think there are more people who understand what technicians do, but I, I, I find it six degrees of separation. They tend to understand and know because they know one or they did work in a veterinary hospital or their kids doing it. So what is the approach? So kind of break down some of these into micro units for us. And what are these initiatives? How are in the sense of how are they getting out? How are they actionable? I mean, a lot of them you already described in terms of, you know, uh, the CE and the education portion, which I think is, is, is truly essential. And I love that you're bringing folks together, right, on different levels within the veterinary practice because we are a team. But especially with things like campaigns, um, what are you guys leveraging? Okay, well, the consumer awareness campaign specifically, we are doing, we've done media blitz. For example, in January, or since January, we've reached over 32 million consumers. Wow. Making them aware, making them aware that we exist. And so we're certainly going to continue our media outreach, but we're also planning on developing consumer facing information and outreach along with marketing materials that the NAVC would be able to provide to veterinary practices so they can inform and engage their that's, clients. I mean, that's pretty outstanding. Huge. Huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you scared me. <laughs> you came in super hot and I was like, what is that? Oh my God. Sorry. No, I, I mean, it is huge. Really huge. What an amazing development. You guys are well, amazing. And part of it is, and I will just say, it's not even really like an elephant in the room or whatever, but like we needed the money, right? Like we need the money backing. We need the resources. It's always been about resources because technicians as individuals don't have as much financial support and backing. So the NAVC saying, we are the North American veterinary community. So we include everyone. It's it, we we need to focus on serving everyone and then stepping up and doing it in the sense that um, really putting their, I, honestly, their money where their mouth is because it's it's what it really takes. The idea of reaching th- 32 million consumers to me is is mind-blowing, and that's in basically the first quarter. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. And I think when I was talking to 
Robin Pence, our head of um, PR, she told me that number is actually even larger since since uh, I had last uh, you know heard about it. So it's probably large and over certainly over thirty two million people. Sure. Wow. Well, Harold, we could go on and on for days with you because you're just, you've got that many stories and you're just that amazing. But uh, we do have to end our conversation today. Where can sure. people go to find out more, learn more, participate more, maybe enroll in the, the clinic champions, you know, if, if they want to nominate or something? Where can people go? Okay. So you can certainly go to, to the NAVC website, but for the clinic champions, go to today's veterinary nurse. If you have someone you want to nominate for today's veterinary nurse, you can certainly go to our website for that. And then you can go to the NAVC website and just put in search for the uh, nurse empowerment or the nurse empowerment webinar series. But uh, just keep your eyes open, social media, the journal, yep. and then the NAVC website. You'll be able and we'll to include, us. yeah, I'll put all those links too in the show notes, yeah, guys, if you're Thank curious you. for sure. So. The other thing, too, I want to say is today's veterinary nurse is a great opportunity for people who want to break into um, being an author and writing. They're always taking um, abstracts and ideas. So um, for techs out there who are listening who want to write, I know that today's veterinary nurse has been a huge supporter of elevating new authors. So you can find that on their website, too. And I just think it's really worthwhile. Yes. Well, Harold, again, as we leave you today, any bits of wisdom or advice for a younger viewfinders that are out there how can how can they stay enthusiastic and engaged for 46 years or so any any last bit of wisdom that you'd like to share i think part of it is just just get involved get involved in your local association your state association i think that's where you can find what's happening in the profession and just take advantage of any ce opportunities one of the things i i often tell people is i don't think people realize that compared to human medicine our human nursing, this is still a really young profession. It's only about 60 years old. We've come a long way in a short period of time, but we have a ways to go still. But we need people who are willing to come together and do the work to affect the change. So my big shout out to them would be get involved. Harold, you've been here for three quarters of it. If this profession <laughs> is 60 years old, like... <laughs> you have holy moly like you're real I, you just blew my mind because i mean it really truly means you you are so i think a lot of us who are i'm i'm a baby tech at this point compared i only have one decade in you know, I'm working on my second one one and a half i'm like a kid over here i i i have to say like we argue and say we haven't seen change but i think over that kind of time span you can really see initiatives like this are have come an amazing distance from animal health technician and what we were 40 years ago. So I think um, we have to all be patient and in it for the long run. And I think you're, I mean, a great example of that. Actually, there's, there's one thing that's kind of funny. There was an article that appeared in JAVMA called Veterinary Medicine Today Practitioners Exchange. And there was a statement in this little article that said the objective would be to enhance technicians' prestige and remuneration consistent with the contribution to greater efficiency in a veterinary practice. Doesn't that sound pretty familiar? <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> I've that, heard it. I've heard it. That was, wow. really, that was in 1994. <laughs> Wow. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, I won't tell you where I was in 1994, but I I can tell you exactly where I was. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again. I mean, like I said, I I could gush about it. It's it's really great. And like anytime we get to talk to somebody who is at least out there really forging change, um, taking the hits in the ring like you have been, we're really appreciative and we're going to keep our eye on this initiative. So keep 
us abreast of all the changes. And again, all the links are going to be on our website. Yeah. And on behalf of the entire Viewfinder family, thank you, Harold Davis, RVT, VTSECC, and the North American veterinary community for all that you are doing to advance and progress the profession. And gosh, I got to tell you, this has been a wonderful conversation. So Viewfinders, what do you think about what Harold Davis is up to? What do you think about the North American veterinary community's veterinary nurse slash technician empowerment initiative? Are you going to get involved? Do you have somebody you want to nominate for a clinic champion? Are you going to take some of their webinars or go to the Institute. We really want to hear from you. You want to just give us a a five-star review, drop a few words, a shout out to Harold. We really appreciate that. You can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts. And drop us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Again, guys, it's been a great conversation. Thank you, Harold Davis. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Thank you, Harold.